Welcome back to Held and Healed. This podcast is a resource filled with resources to help you on your healing journey. I specifically focus on women, but if you are a man who has walked through abuse, you can certainly apply anything that is shared here. And we focus on healing from childhood trauma, from spiritual abuse, sexual abuse, and a lot of focus is given to recovery from spiritual abuse. I walk with and talk with women who have been in the conservative faith community and the issues that are ongoing, reoccurring, and altogether too common. So I thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. I thank all of my guests from the previous weeks who have given of their time to share amazing, amazing resources. So if you have not listened to a podcast in the past, I encourage you to go back into the archives and glean from authors, advocates, pastors, and just all around amazing people who spend their lives and their service to helping others. I'm always amazed and blessed and inspired by those who have come through the fire who are then willing to take the buckets of water back into the fire to extinguish the flames for those who are still consumed. And I just like to say that for me, a light switch was turned on and I began seeing truth. And for me, once that light switch was turned on, I wanted to go through the house and flip on every single light switch for other people who are still consumed by the darkness. The things that I have experienced and walked through in my life, the things that I am learning are not just for me. And I cannot keep what I'm learning and gleaning to myself. Every single time that I hear someone speak truth, every single time that I hear darkness exposed and brought into light, I can think of dozens of other women that need that same truth and revelation. And so that's why I speak. That's why I created this podcast. There are moments, there are days that I feel like I'm not really sure that I want to keep doing this. There is opposition. There are a lot of naysayers and a lot of what we call haters. But I've decided that it's worth it despite the opposition. That I am willing to go places and bring up things and talk about things that other people don't want to deal with. I am willing to say things that make people uncomfortable if it means that those who are in darkness and being abused can feel validated and feel heard and loved and safe. And so I'm not here to make abusers feel comfortable abusing people. That's not what God put me on this earth to do. Jesus himself came to this earth to speak truth that made a lot of people mad and He was so compassionate and so caring and so invested in the oppressed. That was who he came to take care of. That's who he came to love. That's who he came to sit with and sup with and be with. And then the religious leaders that were abusive, he didn't have kind things to say about them. So he is my example. (laughs) He is the one that I follow. And if you are a spiritual leader who truly does love people and truly cares about people and truly wants to get it right, then I would welcome conversation and I would welcome the opportunity to share some of the amazing resources that are out there to help you and your staff be trained. Because too often people come to church 
to be helped and they are further hurt, further traumatized, further victimized. And that must stop. That has to stop. We need to get this right. So they can come to churches to be healed, to be loved, to be validated, to be heard, instead of to be rejected and blamed and shamed and further abused. So one of my favorite people in the advocacy world is an amazing fireball by the name of Sarah McDougall. I did interview her a couple weeks ago, and you're welcome to go back and listen to that episode. She has co-written a book called Safe Churches, and her other authors are Jennifer Jill, um, that's one name, and then her last name is S-C-H-W-I-R-Z-E-R, and then also Nicole Parker was the third person that co-authored this book. It is called Safe Churches, and it's responding to abuse in the faith community. Sarah is a wealth of information, a wealth of wisdom. She has walked through hard, hard things and has come out on the other side and is absolutely passionate about helping women get set free. And so back in the very beginning of this podcast, I don't remember which episode, maybe two or three, I discussed the power and control wheel. But after I started doing some coaching with Sarah, she told me about her systems of abuse playlist that is on YouTube. And so she added some categories to the, um, the power and control wheel. And so I really, really like what she's done. And, um, I'm just going to be reading portions of the book, safe churches today. And again, it's kind of like a scratch to the surface and not exhaustive list, but it just gives examples in each of the categories. So let me read beginning on page um, 66 and 67 to understand the 13 patterns of abuse. Let's look at how the patterns of abuse play out in real life. Though this book has an emphasis on sexual abuse, Sarah McDougall has documented 12 fundamental patterns of abuse, which all revolve around a 13th pattern, the core attitude of entitlement and the right to take power over another person. Before we delve deeper, it's important to acknowledge that every human alive has the capacity to be abusive given the right circumstances. If we, abu- if we define abuse purely as a single action or one discrete occurrence of a behavior, then every time you behave badly, you could be labeled an abuser. That is not how abuse is defined. People don't automatically become abusers every time they feel self-centered or act impatient. So that is kind of like, as you go through this list and you hear these things come up, you're going to be like, but I've done that or I did that. And you're going to hear random ones that maybe you can identify that you have yourself um, exemplified. It does not automatically make you an abuser. It's all about the power and control that someone has over another human being. Also, as I read certain um, categories and characteristics that pertain to affection or pertain to communication or maybe um, sexual relationships, if you yourself are in an abusive relationship with someone who is hurting you, it does not mean you are an abuser just because you do not feel safe with them and you do not want to have sexual relationships with them. So 
that's a little disclaimer I want to throw out there so that if you hear that and you're like, oh no, I don't want to have sex with him because he's mean to me, that does not make you an abuser. That makes you a victim of abuse. So I am going to simply go down through the next pages, um, page 68, all the way through um, into page 76, I believe. And I'm just going to kind of hit some of the high points and the main points and read some of the sections, but you can probably add your own examples to each category. You do not need to take notes of this. I have actually typed up most of this into a blog that I will link in the show notes. So you will have that for your keeping and also to pass on to someone who may not be prone to listen to a podcast. So I just want to make this simple and of course encourage you to go get the book Save Churches because there's so much more to this book than just this list. Okay, so we're starting with the 13 systems, starting with in alphabetical order, child abuse. And then I will read descriptions that could potentially be threatens to harm children, does not pay child support, belittles you in front of the kids, leverages kids to keep you silent, abuses other people's children, scares or hurts you in front of children. Harming a child's mother is an often overlooked aspect of child abuse, which causes trauma to the child. Lundy Bancroft explains, the abusive man is focused on power and control and may ignore the harm he causes the children in his desperate race to settle old scores out of a lack of respect for the mother's humanity. So in a recent blog that I wrote, it was titled, If He Hurts You, He Hurts Your Kids. That's just truth. So even if he doesn't lay his hands on the children, if he is being abusive to you in any of these ways, he is also hurting your children. Then we go on to cultural abuse. And examples may include mistreats you and blames it on culture, demeans your heritage, forces you to embrace their culture, isolates you from mainstream culture, uses expectations or shame to keep you silent, isolates you through language barriers, insults your family culture as inferior to their own. Cultural, uh, cultural abuse is especially likely in across cultural marriages or among those living outside of their culture of origin, which is where it is easier to in- intentionally cause isolation or limitation. An example of cultural abuse might be when everyone in the abuser's family can speak the victim's language but deliberately speaks another language every time they get together, leaving the victim sitting alone. So if that's something you have experienced, that is what we would call cultural abuse. Now we move on to emotional abuse, and examples may include invalidates your perception of reality, insults you, and then says, I'm joking, denies affection or goes silent, manipulates with false guilt, flips arguments back on you, acts possessive but calls it protective, vacillates and creates relationship roller coaster, blames you for the things for things that are not your fault, refuses to take responsibility for what they did, says sorry and promises to change but doesn't, withholds non-sexual affection. So those are all possible examples of emotional abuse. 
And I just want to say before we keep moving on, because I know this can be extremely triggering. If at any point, <clears throat> excuse me, if at any point you need to just take a break <clears throat> and get a drink of water, um, because this is too much, that is fine. Just remember where we were in the recording. And when you feel like you can come back to it, return to it. Because I know that hearing these things listed one after the other can be so exhausting and draining and triggering. And for many of you, you can actually check almost every single one. And I know, I know that's hard. But what my heart is for you and what my desire is for you is that it would be validating and that you would realize you are not alone, that someone believes you, sees you, hears you, understands you, and they say, this is not okay. All right, financial abuse um, categories may include limits your money, refuses to share accounts, tracks every penny you spend, avoids child support payments, spends impulsively or incurs debts, interferes with welfare or state aid, makes all financial decisions, lies about money, time, and activities. So those are all possible examples of financial abuse. If you are a stay-at-home mama and you are only given a slight allowance, that's a red flag. If he never tells you what he makes and puts money in the bank and you don't know what's in the bank, you don't know if there are um, checking accounts, savings accounts, investments, and he withholds that information, that is financial abuse. Intellectual abuse may include demands perfection and since insists on proof of your right to opinions, insults your intelligence or education, dumbs you down, is intimidated by your mind, attacks your ideas, devalues your convictions, refuses to allow you to disagree, manipulates information flow, invalidates others if they point out abusive behaviors, judges others for small mistakes, but gives himself grace for moral, moral failure or rule breaking. So this is be, be what we call the double standard. So if that is happening often, that is an example of intellectual abuse. Pets and property abuse. If any of these things are happening, you are probably experiencing abuse. Confiscates your keys, ID, or driver's license. Damages your car, refuses to keep it maintained. Trashes your favorite things, then says it was an accident. Harms your pets or gives them away. Punches walls, slams doors. Controls your access to electronics or threatens to do any of the above. Those would be examples of pets and property abuse. Now we move on to physical abuse. Drives recklessly, road rage. I know so many women who are terrified to get behind the wheel of a vehicle with their husbands for this very reason. Did you know that reckless driving and road rage are examples of physical abuse? If he disturbs your sleep, chokes, restrains or controls your breath, if he blocks exits and won't let you leave, if he prevents you or your children from getting medical care, throws things, uses items other than his hands to cause you pain or fear, if he slaps, hits, kicks, punches, bites, pinches, or spits at you, if he locks you out of the house or makes you sleep outside, 
if he doesn't control his own strength when being playful or is indifferent to causing you pain, if he postures himself aggressively to intimidate you. Another example um, that I have heard of that is extremely intimidating is just taking the head and like charging at you like a bull. Maybe won't touch you. Maybe is smart enough not to leave bruises on you, but will use his physical um, strength and presence to come at you and your heart is pounding and you know that if he wanted to hurt you, he could. That's just as bad as him putting his hands on you. And then she shares a really important stat here. A study of 300 choking cases by the Family Justice Center Alliance in San Diego and Institute on Strangulation Prevention showed that a woman who is strangled even once is 750% more likely to be strangled again and 80% more likely to be killed later. This is written by Brian Bennett, the instructor at the South Carolina Criminal Justice Academy. Ladies, I want you to take this seriously. If he has put his hands around your neck, you are in grave danger and you need to report that to the authorities so that it can be documented, so that justice can be served, so that you and your children can be safe. Please take this seriously. Then we move on to examples of psychological abuse. If he gaslights you, says or does things, and then later denies it. If he terrorizes you, then acts like it never happened. If he controls minute aspects of your life, like food, fun, friends, etc., if he projects responsibility for his addictions onto you or others, claims to mis- claims that you misunderstood when you quote back his threats, if he displays weapons as a way to keep you afraid or convinces you that he knows better than you know, if he controls your access to food, freedom, or, or freedom to eat, if he tells bold or white lies, reverses questions to make you feel paranoid, demonstrates lack of empathy, you can't discern your own emotions accurately or threatens to hurt or kill themselves, himself, or others. So that is, those are all examples of psychological. She says spiritual leaders often ask about physical abuse but aren't trained to ask other questions of, as well. The wife may answer, he hasn't hit me since I was pregnant with our first child. And the pastor thinks, oh, great, that's not so bad. But in reality, the abuser established his capability for violence early on. Since then, he has never needed to hit her. All he has to do is lift his shoulder in a threatening way and she acquiesces in fear. That is psychological abuse. And again, with the triggering, if we move on to the next category, which is about sexual abuse, and this is hard for you, take a break, walk away, come back to minute 19, and pick up later. Please do not push yourself to listen beyond the point of being able to function in your day-to-day. This is simply meant to be a resource for those who need clarity. It's also a resource for helpers, for pastors and spiritual leaders and teachers and medical people and people who work with children just to get better educated to understand what abuse is. But if this is your story and you're clicking off every single box and you need to take a break and go walk and go do some tapping and go listen to some worship music and go 
hug your puppy dog, go do those things and take care of yourself because I do not want in any way to further harm you. I want to bring clarity and I want to bring validation. And so I know that hearing all these things and wants can be very overwhelming and that is not my heart. That is not my goal. I just want to have one place where someone can listen to all these things and understand these patterns. All right, categories, characteristics, and examples of sexual abuse. Forces or withholds sex. Again, my disclaimer is if you are withholding sex because you are scared of your abuser, that is not abuse. That is you responding to abuse. Criticizes your body or sexuality. Demands sex as payment. Uses pornography or makes you use pornography has affairs, or threatens to cheat. Did you hear me, sweet sister? If your husband has had affairs or threatens to cheat, he is being sexually abusive to you. If he pays for sexual services from others, if he shares sexual fantasies about others or your friends, that's sexual abuse. Lacks intimacy and connection or sexually abuses or molests others. Those are all signs of sexual abuse. Pornography is not only fornication or adultery with the person on the scene, but the porn industry is tied to sex trafficking and exploitation. In addition, porn use contributes directly to disengagement and lack of intimacy in real life relationships. Pornography is adultery, period. It is. Okay, moving on. Social abuse examples may include monitors your communication with phone, email, text, etc. Tracks your social media. Monitors your mileage. Okay, let's talk about that for a moment. Again, if you have gone through the betrayal of your husband um, having an affair and or a porn addiction and you want to track his social media or see his phone or monitor where he is, That's a very different situation. That's not abuse. That is consequence, a consequence of his affairs, of his adultery. So very different. If he discourages your friendships with others or dictates freedom for education or employment, if he obsesses on body image and appearance or limits equal social access, if he expects others to keep secrets and maintain glossy, glossy public images rather than reality. So if he's one thing at home and something else in public and he expects you to maintain his public image. If he keeps you at home, those are all signs of social abuse. All right, moving on. Spiritual abuse. If he twists scriptures to avoid accountability, if he uses his beliefs to gain advantage, or leverages spiritual leaders against you. If he silences you with Bible verses or puts down your convictions or beliefs. If he isolates you from your faith community or dictates your access to counseling or mentorship. If he believes that you need him to teach you about God. If he exhibits other soul-destroying behaviors. Refusing to discuss marital challenges with wise mentors or to get counseling from qualified professionals is a common form of spiritual abuse. Also, scriptural passages may be used to justify power over others rather than focusing on servant leadership. 
So if you have a husband who is constantly berating you about submission, about listening, about being this um, Proverbs 31 woman, and he is not the least bit interested in being a servant or exemplifying the characteristics of Christ and serving you as Christ serves and loves the church, he is probably a spiritual abuser. And again, I want to say this because I cannot say it enough. If you are in an abusive relationship, marriage counseling is not safe. It is not wise. It is not ethical. You need to pursue your own counseling with someone who is domestic violence informed and is trauma informed. And then if he wants to get counseling by himself, that is fine. But you do not want to engage in a counseling setting with your abuser. It's dangerous. All right, verbal abuse tells you how to do everything, cuts you off in conversation, puts you down. Okay, again, with a disclaimer, like all of us have done this. All of us have interrupted people. All of us have, you know, presented our ideas as so much better than somebody else's. That does not mean that you are, in essence, an abuser. It just means you and I have done these things. And when we hurt someone and we see that look cross their face or they come to us and they say we've hurt them, if we are healthy, if we are loving, if we are um, humble, we will say, I am so sorry. And then we will move to change and not repeat those behaviors. Other examples of verbal abuse. Forbids you from talking to others about issues or monitors your conversations with others. Shames, silence, or insults you ridicules your appearances, abilities, etc. jokes condescendingly toward others. I mean, seriously, what do we say? If they're talking about that person in my presence, then what are they saying about me when I'm not here? <clears throat> That's a pretty good, <clears throat> excuse me, rule of thumb. Intimidates you with words and tone, yells, screams, swears, or calls you names, uh, demands that you keep his secrets. So for shareable infographics on the patterns of abuse, go to sarahmcdougall.com backslash resources. Also to see each of these um, explained in like eight or 10 minute clips, go on YouTube to Sarah McDougall and look up the systems of abuse playlist. And you can hear each one of them explained in about, you know, eight to 10 minutes each. And then we come to the core mindset of power over abuse and entitlement. Creates chaos, gains control by turning people against each other. Is a credit hog, likes to take others' ideas but doesn't share the glory. Delusions of grandeur, believes that they're smarter, wiser, stronger, more powerful than reality. Dictates a belief system for everyone in the household. Entitled, acts as if others should give way to their preferences, or take care of their needs. Supremacist looks down on culture, color, gender, age, status, thinks they own that their own identity is superior to all others. Obsessed with the respect, and that word is in quotes, may get aggressive to peers, children, elderly, who act with perceived disrespect. This is a big one. In my experience with abusers, when they keep throwing around the word respect, you just don't respect me. Well, your behavior is not respectable. So that's on you, bucko, not on me. 
So we've been told that respect is just laying down and taking it and just letting these people walk all over us. That is not respect. Respect is earned. And it's not a given in all situations. And when someone's behavior is not respectable, we do not automatically owe them respect. They're fixated on appearances and expect others to keep secrets and maintain that glossy public image regardless of reality. All right, so we just listed all kinds of examples of abuse. So as I read that list, if you resonated with, oh my gosh, there are five or six in this category that are you know daily or weekly occurrences, and you're like, oh my gosh, there were three or four in that category that are daily or weekly occurrences, then my guess is that you are in an abusive relationship. So if you are in physical harm, please, please reach out to your local authorities and the domestic violence hotline. Please do not, do not take upon yourself the responsibility of physically protecting yourself. You probably cannot. And so let people who are trained professionals, um, my understanding is, well, of course, every state has different laws, but my understanding in the state of Virginia is that if you call um, for domestic violence against you in the physical form, that the first time when a police officer comes, they will file a report. I mean, depending on what extent the violence is, if it's something like shoving or something like that. My, my experience and the friends that I have walked with through this, this is what I've heard. So it's kind of like a warning, but I think the second time they do get a night in the jail cell. And so it's really important, even if they don't take them in, even if they do not physically file a report, it is important to make that 911 call and to grab yourself a notebook and write on the front of that notebook for my lawyer. I was recently told by a paralegal that if you have a notebook like that, that is for your lawyer's eyes only and that book cannot be used against you in court and begin documenting. Hide it somewhere and begin documenting. So if you called 911 on August the 18th, 2021, write that down in your book so that down the road, if there are further occurrences, you can tell your lawyer to go back to that date and ask for the records on that 911 call and it will be recorded. So these are just little things. I do not by any means consider myself an expert in law or in protecting people, but these are just little nuggets that I have learned that I'm passing on now because it may save somebody's life. And so write on that notebook for my lawyer and I've been told that it cannot be called in as evidence against you. And it will be a way that you can begin recording the incidents and the events. And when he hurts you or when he hurts your ch children, you can have um, a written record of that. Beyond that, the psychological, the spiritual, the emotional, um, there aren't laws against it, unfortunately. And so um, it's still good to document these things. So that you can later go back and know what happened on what day because you will begin to question your own reality. That is just what's going to happen. You are probably experiencing complex, complex PTSD 
and you will begin, especially with all the gaslighting and being told that you don't remember things and that didn't really happen, you will begin to question your sanity. So it's very important to keep record of these incidents. If you are not safe in your church and do not have people that have compassion for you or do not understand domestic violence and do not have a willingness to learn about domestic violence, my encouragement to you is to walk away. If you are in the middle of trauma, the chances are not super high that you're going to be able to take on the responsibility to educate other people right now. And so it would be safer for you to find an online community like what we have at Held and Healed, um, Gretchen Baskerville's The Life-Saving Divorce, Sarah McDougall has multiple groups for women, um, Called to Peace has great groups. It would be better for you and safer for you to connect with advocates and people who understand if you're in the throes of that. So if you've gone to your church and they basically have told you that it takes two to tango, if you've been told that there are two sides to every story, if you've been told that God hates divorce and there is never a way out, these are just a couple examples of what I would say run, just run from that because you are not in a position right now where you can convince people in the midst of your trauma. And so find a safe place, even if it's an online community, gather with like-minded people who love the Lord, who love his word, who love to see people healed and whole. Uh, And don't spend a lot of time or energy right now, right now, there'll, there'll be time later for this fight, but don't spend a lot of time or energy right now trying to convince spiritual leaders that your situation is dangerous or that God would not want you there. Like, you know, God doesn't want you there. I know God doesn't want you there. You know that God, just the simple example, God is the perfect heavenly father. Okay, I am a mother who loves my sons with all of my heart. I would be willing to lay down my life and die for them at any moment. That is not even up for debate. I would lay down and die if I knew it was for the good of my children and it would save my children in some way, okay? I would be heartbroken, devastated, and so angry if someone did these things to my sons, okay? I am a flawed human being. I would never tell my sons to tolerate or put up with these type of behaviors. Why in the world, why in the world do we say that God who sees all, hears all, knows all, why do we say that God expects his daughters to endure these things? No, he does not. He makes so many provisions in his word. He talks about abusers. He talks about oppressors. And he says, wolves are these things and gives the characteristics. And he says, have nothing to do with them. He does not say, go back and live with them. He does not say, go home and sleep with them. He does not say, go start up Bible studies and coddle and enable and and make, you know, give them room to keep abusing. He does not say that. He says, have nothing to do with them. So it is high time, it is way past time for the church of God to start acting like him. 
and exemplifying him and saying to the broken and the beaten and the bruised and the battered of body, mind, or spirit, come in here. We will protect you. We will tell the wolves to go away (laughs) and we will keep you safe. And we are willing to say that right now we don't know what that looks like. Right now we don't really understand what it means to protect our flock. But there are ministries that can teach us and we will be humble enough to say, please teach me because this is a blind spot for me. Please teach me how to protect the sheep that are in my care. I know you're out there, pastors. I know you are out there. I believe that there are good men and good women who serve as leaders in churches that really, truly love people and care and want to get this right. So please, please, please reach out to me. You can message me info at heatherelizabeth.org or you can visit my website, um, heatherelizabeth.org. You can find me on Facebook. And women, you're welcome to join Held and Healed, Christian Women Rebuilding After Abuse. That is a very active um, Facebook group with almost 600 women right now who are learning, growing, healing together. It's a very empowering. I don't want people just to stay stuck. I want people to learn, to know the truth so that the truth can set them free. I want them to know they have value, value. They have destiny that God didn't create them just to be a doormat. God did not create them to be a verbal vomit bucket. God created you women with so much purpose, so much power, so much passion. And I want to share the things that have helped me to get to the other side. Am I completely healed? Of course not. No, that's a journey that will be on until the day that Jesus comes back. I will constantly be learning and healing and growing. But I am certainly not where I was five years ago. I am definitely not where I was a decade ago. And so the things that I have learned and gleaned and come to understand, I want to pass on to other women to help you in your healing journey. So thank you for taking time. I do hope and pray that if this has been um, triggering or traumatic in any way, that God would meet you right now. Let me just pray that prayer. Father, I ask that you would use this revelation, use these examples, God, to bring clarity, to bring understanding, and to turn on light bulbs for women. I pray, Father, that they would feel heard and seen and valued and validated. I pray, Father, that they would not feel alone. I pray that if this has been just overwhelming for them, that you would just hover over them right now, cover them with your peace and your protection. I pray, Lord, that you would provide each woman with a safe village in her community of people who love you and who love her and who are willing to learn about how to help and not further hurt. I pray, God, for the pastors and the leaders out there right now who love you and who truly are servants to their congregations and to the sheep and their fold. And maybe right now they're just like, I just don't know how to navigate this. I just don't know how to walk this out. I just don't know how to take this stand against evil, but I want to. God, raise up those men and women and help them to connect to the resources and the programs and the curriculums that are already created, already in place to help them do just that. And God, we want to see a reformation. We want to see a complete turnaround that the church would no longer be a place where people are wounded more deeply but will become the place where they are healed. 
I know that some of those churches exist, but they are few and far between. God, would you raise up more leaders who truly get this and who truly want to learn so that the world can look and see something is very, very different. And they see us exemplifying your fruit, your compassion, your love, your grace, your mercy. Lord, let this tide be turned. Let this be shifted in in my lifetime, Lord. Let this change come. And let the lost lambs who have been hurt by the very ones that were sent to, to protect them, let them come back into the fold and find protected protection and covering and care. Let this change, oh God. Let this happen sooner and not later. Give us another chance, God, to call them back to your heart. Not to an institution, not to a denomination, not to a system and a, a set of rules and regulations, but to the Father heart of God. And I pray this in your precious name. Amen. Whew. Okay, well, you're loved, you're seen, you're heard. Somebody gets it. Somebody cares. Let that be what you hear today. And please, please, ladies, reach out to us on Facebook, Held and Healed, Christian Women Rebuilding After Abuse. We have always been held. And we are walking our journey to be healed. And that is why this is called Held and Healed. And I pray that today you will know that you are held and that you will walk more every single day to your healing journey. Blessings.